And so um, just want to challenge if any of you are like Jim, who maybe have come and you've heard about Christ, been to church, but you haven't made that commitment that well, what, what better day today, what better day to make that commitment but today. Let's look at the Lord in a word of prayer and then we'll, we'll share some more this morning. Father, we thank you so much that, that you, change his li- you change lives. We thank you for Jim and his, his love for you, his faithfulness in the word of God, his desire to live a life that honors you. We thank you for Ruth and, and all the influence uh, that she's had on Jim and then the ministry also that you've given her. And we just really pray as we think about the reality of, of who Jesus is, that it's not, just, it's not just a story, it's a true story. It's not just something that we, we think might be true, but it is true. And we really pray that uh, all lives that we have opportunity to uh, influence, that we might influence them to, to consider about surrendering their lives to the one who can make all things new. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, we want to take that theme that we shared a little bit on Sunday morning, uh, last Easter Sunday, the best day ever, and really look at it from the, the best days after. And in a few moments, I'm going to have uh, Brandon kind of share that with me. But I, I thought we'd begin by just maybe kind of thinking back into the experience of those who were there on that particular day that didn't look back simply to celebrate Easter, but experienced it firsthand. And maybe if, if um, we could think back, maybe even a, in a first-person idea, the conversation might have gone something like, th- like this if you had interviewed them. Uh, the best day ever. You've got to be kidding. Uh, we, we knew that Jesus had talked about that. He was going to be arrested and scourged and crucified and put to death and and then three days later, something happened, but, but we, we just we couldn't wrap our minds around it. I mean, how, how, how could this miracle worker who could bring life from death be taken and his life taken from him? And, and so when he was arrested, we all, we all ran. I, I kind of followed afterwards from a distance. And, and when, when I got close and people said to me, haven't I seen you with Jesus? I said, no, no, I, I don't know him. And, and then it was asked again. And it was just a little servant's girl. And, and the third time she asked, I know, I've seen you with Jesus. I began to curse at her, denying at the top of my lungs that I had never knew this man. And, and why? Because all my hopes and all my dreams about, about this one who is going to bring hope and freedom to our, our little nation, that, that the promises of all that were made in the Old Testament were going to come true in the Messiah, that he would make all things new, not only in our own lives, but in, the, in our lives on earth. And all those hopes were now gone. And then he really did die in a most horrible death on the cross. And all of us kind of huddled together, particularly the men. I'm not sure what the ladies were doing, but the, the men, man, we, we just huddle in fear and in doubt and confusion. We, we were troubled to the deepest part of our soul. And then Sunday arrived, but we were still in despair. But rather early in the morning, these ladies came up to us and they, and they said the tomb is empty. He is risen. He's alive just like he said he would. And I mean, I mean, when you hear something that's good, too good to be true and you think about it for a moment, then you, you stop and think it's too good to be 
true. And since I, I knew that some of these ladies had a tendency, ladies had a tendency to exaggerate, or, or maybe at least I thought they always exaggerated. And I, so I said, I, I'm going to check out myself. So I ran to the tomb, and I, I got to the tomb, and it was, it was empty. And, and then I was, I was still confused. Well, why is it empty? Did someone steal the body? And uh, did I go, go to the wrong tomb? Or, I mean, it, everything was like it was supposed to be, except there was no one in it, and the stone was rolled away. And, and then Jesus appeared to me. And then all of a sudden I began to realize everything that he had said to me, everything he had taught me, all those things that I, that I believed and then other things I didn't believe, all of it was true. And so I ran to all, all my friends and, and I told them what I experienced. And then Jesus had appeared to, to all of us, or at least most of us, and, and we were filled with so much enthusiasm and excitement about life. And then, and then, then there was one who had not experienced that, Thomas, and he, he treated us like we treated the women. I mean, we didn't believe the women and... He didn't believe us. I mean, we had been with Thomas through everything. And he said, I, I, I think something's wrong here. I won't believe that Jesus is alive from the dead unless I can put my hand in his hands, in his hands and put my hand in his side. And then Jesus did what he always did. When we were in desperate need, he, he showed up in a locked room. I don't know how he got in the room, but he got in the room. And, and then he saw Thomas and and before he could go through the routine, Tom said, I believe my Lord and my God. And Jesus, even, even, even when Jesus would do the miraculous, he, he'd always teach us what had just happened and the significance of that which we needed to remember. And he told Thomas, but he's really telling us as well, he said, blessed are you who see and believe. And he wasn't just talking to Thomas because we didn't believe until we saw him. But blessed are those who believe even when they don't see. And, and from then on, we recognize it wasn't simply this the best day ever. There were best days after that day. And, and not only for us, but actually for everyone who would come to that point where they would believe. We believe because we, we had sight. But there would be those who would believe because they were convinced that what Jesus had said and done was true, and they were trusting, trusting in him. And isn't that true? One of the greatest, if not the greatest thing you can do for someone you love is to trust them. Trust them wholeheartedly and completely, even when you can't necessarily prove everything they're promising is going to happen, but you just trust them. You can't conceive of those things actually coming to be, and yet you trust them because you trust them and you love them. You follow them forever. And do whatever. And as Jesus looked at our lives, he, he, he recognized we were still kind of fragile. And, and when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we don't have our act together, do we? we I mean, it's just beginning. And, and that's why, in many ways, and when you look at the church and you wonder, well, why isn't the church perfect? Because everyone who comes into the church isn't perfect. And even when they come to faith in Christ, they're, they're still struggling to put complete confidence in and, and rely upon the one who, who is their Savior and Lord. And so Jesus, he chose to, to stay another 40 days after that day. He appeared to us in so many different ways. But not only did he appear to us where we saw him face to face, but he also, he also taught us. See, Jesus was always the teacher. And, and when he taught us, it was for our good. And, and so what he taught us is about what was going to happen next in our lives. What we, what we were to do. And then he knew that 
after we realized the, the mission God had for us, we would be filled again with doubt because we'd wonder, well, that's the mission. That's what I'm supposed to do. But how am I supposed to do that? Don't you remember my past? So he tell us how to do it. And, and then thirdly, he, he, he talked about the urgency, why we were to do it. So as Brandon comes up at the moment, I'll just give Brandon a warm welcome as he comes. We're going to kind of team teach this. And I'll kind of take come out of character and you know, maybe I was trying to portray Peter as well as I could. But, but Peter struggled with all that was going on, just like we struggle in terms of living out our faith. And the, the, if I look back at my experience, if I was sharing my story today, I, I, would, I would probably give you the, the main motivation for my faith was uh, I'd heard about that place that I talked about last Sunday. I'd heard about that place called hell. And quite frankly, I didn't want to go there, even as a young child. And then I heard about that place that I did want to go to, which was heaven, and I did want to go there. And I wanted to know how, how I could make sure I would, I would go to the, the right destination rather than the wrong destination. But my, my life didn't end when, you know, I was eight and received Christ. And Jim's life didn't end 51 years ago when he received Christ. God had something for us to do. And having something to do that honors God is the best. It's the best that God has for us. And that will be not only now, but for eternity. Eternity will be filled with things God wants us to do that will honor him and it will thrill us. So, so what is it that, that Jesus told them that prepared them for the best days after? Even the best days after his appearance to them because after 40 days were over there was the 41st day and Jesus was no longer there and what he had been talking to them about and if you have your Bibles you can turn to Acts chapter 1 and we won't necessarily be going verse by verse in that passage but we'll make reference to it but in Acts chapter 1 we have we have Luke writing the second part of his you know two-volume novel he had Luke the gospel of Luke Luke 1, and then the book of Acts is actually Luke 2. And he's writing it uh, to a particular friend of his, Theophilus. And he said, I'm, I'm writing to you a very accurate account of all things that have happened. And the first part of Acts chapter 1, he says that Jesus spent 40 days giving them infallible truths that he was really proves that he was risen from the dead. But then he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And what I want to plainly to say is that what we are to do in the best days after is to be about all about God's work, all about God's kingdom, all about what God wants us to be and to do. In a familiar prayer that probably all of us have heard many, many, many times, Jesus said, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy on earth as it is in heaven. And so what God wants us to be is, is to be the, the hands and feet of that prayer to be answered. He wants us to be about getting God's will, which is done perfectly in heaven, done very well here on earth. Not perfectly because we are fallen people, but that we would be his representatives that would lead lives, that would show people that there is a king of kings, there is a lord of lords, there is some, someone who can rule in our lives and reign in our lives and rescue lives. When Jesus was here, it is, uh, they were all, all the people of Israel were interested in the Messiah coming and setting up the kingdom here on earth. And, and Jesus is going to do that 
The question is when. But when he was here, he said, I want you to know that, that the kingdom of God is among you because the king was there. And then when he left, he wanted them to realize that the kingdom could be within them because the king would be resident in their lives through the, through the spirit of God. And then they could look forward to the time when the kingdom would be around them as he was set up his earthly kingdom here on earth, the new heavens and the new earth and his reign here uh, on earth as he has promised. But he wanted them to be involved in being kingdom representatives. Uh, Paul puts it this way. He says that we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We, we are his representatives. And so all of us have that privilege, that high calling for people to see Jesus in us, the reality of Christ being risen from the dead as we live our lives and speak his words. In Romans chapter 14, it says that the kingdom of God is not simply eating and drinking, not, not just living life in, in the reign of Christ, but it's, it's righteousness and it's peace and it's joy. And, and, and so as we think about that, God wants us to live our lives in such a way that as we encounter life, people can see that we are committed to doing that which is right rather than that which is wrong, which is righteousness. He wants us to experience peace in the midst of things that are despairing. And he wants us to experience joy even in the midst of heartache and pain so that, that people can see that our lives are not dependent upon the circumstances around us, but the one who lives within us. So that's, that's the great adventure that God has given us to experience that and then share with others so that they can experience us. That, that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be his representatives, his ambassadors, or the word that we're going to look at this morning, his witnesses, that witness to the truth that Jesus is real. Now, we're, we're going to kind of go back and forth here a little bit, and this is going to be a little bit different than, sorry, a little bit different than how we did in first service. But let me just ask you, Brandon, um, Another verse, as we think about what we are to do, is to be about God's kingdom work, to represent him well. How, how, uh, how do we do that? And taking off on that verse also in Matthew where Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. How do we live for God's kingdom? Um, I think that we live for God's kingdom, that uh, righteousness, peace, joy, um, seeking that out, seeking his kingdom out. I think first we have to um, be believers, obviously. Um, we have to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, and we celebrated that even last week um, in the first service. We saw people baptized and committing their lives to Christ, which is awesome. Um, but when that takes place, then it's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you know, which instantaneously happens upon conversion. I'm empowered by God's Spirit to live out that life, that that kingdom-hearted, kingdom-mindsetted life. And so how do I live like Jesus? Well, you live like that by the power of the Holy Spirit. He indwells you. In uh, Acts 1.8, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you shall be witnesses. And so the best way to be a witness and testify the truth of God is to be indwelt by this power that resides only in God. And that's answering it in short, so... So the what is, we are to be about God's kingdom's work, and, and the how is by being filled or controlled uh, by the power of the Spirit. Um, just in a lifestyle, how, how, do you, um, how do you interact, how, how, does that, how does that work for you? How, how does living in the Spirit work for you in, in your daily experience? Well, I think it's, it's a number of things. I think 
part of it is all of you here today. I mean, that's a choice to live in the Spirit. Um, Paul actually talked about that a lot. And, man, the things I want to do, those are the things I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things I actually do. And I find this war within me happening all the time. And then in Galatians, you know, he basically points it out. I mean, we have to be led by the Spirit so that we won't satisfy the, the desires of the flesh. And so we're at constant war with our flesh. And so choosing to live in the Spirit and to be led by the Spirit is the, the essential thing that we have to do. And I think part of that, too, is understanding the power of the Spirit. Um, any of you have heard Pastor Mike preach a number of times, he's kind of embedded it into us, at least into me, and that is the, uh, uh, what the word tells us about the, the Greek word for power, and that's dunamis, you know, it's dynamite, and that's where we get that word. And so when you translate that whole, that whole passage right there, it says, you shall receive dynamite power, or dynamite, when the Holy Spirit, the Holy of Holies, God's living ghost takes over you. And when you look at it in that sense, um, it's encouraging because a lot of people, they come to those points that the disciples did. And they come to a point where they're like, well, I don't think I can. Um, what do I have to offer? I'm, I'm too young to do anything significant or I'm too old to, to do anything significant. Um, I have no special abilities. And then you come to a passage like this. Well, actually, you have power. And I don't know about you, but when I think of power, I think of a car that Pastor Mike would look good in. <laughs> a Mustang. See, he drives that little thing out there. It looks like a girl's car. But um, <laughs> I'm just messing with him. But, I mean, when I think of uh, power, I think of a Mustang. And, you know, I think of being able to, I think of Dukes of Hazard. I think of getting in there and pushing the pedal to the metal. And I think that that's the type of power, even more so, that we have in the Holy Spirit. To do the things um, that look like Jesus Christ, that life of righteousness, that life of joy, that life of peace that you talked about, uh, that kingdom heart mindset. I had a V8 when I was in high school, a 383 <laughs> cubic inch. No. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm more concerned about gas mileage. All right. But, um, okay, as far as, uh, let's say, okay, you are, you know, you're going, you have a particular day and you're your very best to be filled with spirit. You've been in the word of God. You're allowing his word to, to direct your mind and to, to um, allow you to think God's thoughts and, and know his agenda for your life. And, and maybe you're in an experience where you have an opportunity to share your faith. And all of a sudden, and you're a pretty bold, you know, uh, gregarious guy. I mean, you always meet friends all the time. But let's say for that moment, all of a sudden you become fearful and you go, I don't know if I'm going to say something because I'm not sure how they're going to react to it. How does the Spirit of God now interact when all of a sudden you're filled with fear or doubt about maybe you know sharing your faith with somebody or at least opening the door to see if they're open about it? How does the I'm saying that, say that? How does the Spirit of God, knowing you have power and yet at that moment you don't feel it? You feel like maybe weak. You feel like uh, inadequate, as you were saying, or mm -hmm. you're not sure what to say, or you're afraid what they're gonna what they're gonna think, or maybe you don't want to offend them, or all these doubts. How does the Spirit of God work when you're feeling the exact opposite. Well, I think the more that we're in love with God, we're focusing on God, the more we're in his word, the more we remember things like God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Again, we see that power word come in, love and sound mind. And so we're able to at least choose in that moment um, in doubt, but in belief, understanding that, okay, I have power. I don't necessarily feel it right now, but 
um, God's spirit is a promise that I have. So it never leaves me. And so um, no matter what you say, no matter what you think at the moment, you're still driving a Mustang. <laughs> and so I think that, um, I mean, for me, there have been times where I'm fearful and things of that nature, but um, it's basically choosing. It comes down to choice. It's a willful act, and that's where you see our free will come in. Okay, now we have to display cur courage and actually choose to live in the spirit and say, okay, I'm going to invite, or I'm going to speak up, or I'm going to say something. You know, kind of using your car analogy is that it's always easier to steer a car that's moving. Have you found that? You know, when it's stationary, you can't really turn the wheel very well. Well, you can't move it around, but once it's moving, you can be navigated. And it's kind of like we say, it's a, it's a choice. You can start with the first few words of witness and then find out what's going to happen next. But if you never put that first word in, then it's hard for for God to sense God's power direction because you haven't you know, put the pedal to the metal. You know, you haven't started. And once you start, then it can happen. Right. Um, how about on the other side of witness? You know, witness is not all verbal. It's also lifestyle. Um, and, you know, just to be honest, you, you and I are pretty competitive people. And sometimes <laughs> we can, you know, be in competition, whether it's not always with ourselves, but, I mean, with each other. But you're in a situation and maybe, um, as you were saying earlier, the flesh. You know, the flesh sounds kind of like a spiritual battle, but and it is, but let's get down where we really live. Maybe you're in a, in, a, in a game and, you know, people are fouling you or they're not playing fair, you know, and you say, well, they're going to give to me, I'm going to give it back to them in, a, in an unrighteous way. I mean, sometimes you can battle the same way, but how do, you, how, do you, how do you use the power of the Spirit when you start going down a path, you know it's not God-honoring in terms of how you're treating somebody, either with not kindness or patience or whatever. How, how does that come to play? Again, it goes back to, you know, and I, I feel like for me as a Christian for whatever, however many years it's been, um, I hate when uh, something cliche or uh, the same old answer, seem, it just comes out to be the same old answer. When it's, when it's just as true. I mean, the more I'm in wor the Word, the more I'm around God's people, the more I pray to the Spirit, to God, um, asking for help, then the more I'm going to be able to um, make more conscious decisions in the Spirit in those moments where I'm tried. And so when I'm, when I'm literally playing basketball or whatever the case is, someone wrongs me the wrong way and I'm thinking I got to get even. Pastor Mike's been bugging me this morning so I have to mess up his, his office or something. Um, when, whatever the case is, um, I have to get back to that point where, God, what do you want me to do? Thy, uh, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. Um, and the more I feel, I feel like the more I'm around Christians, um, other God's people, the more I'm encouraged to, you know, choose and be led and listen to the Holy Spirit in those moments. I hope that's yeah, not no, a super that, spiritual answer. No, right there. I, I, yeah, I was thinking about what you just said and also what, what Jim said in his testimony. A lot of times the way we really grow and learn is, you know, when we fail or, or we are in an experience where we're inadequate. Okay, where we go, man, I need to grow in this area. I need to learn in this area. I need to, to change either how to respond or how I'm, you know, ready for a person's question. And as Jim was sharing, I mean, being an engineer, you know, that's a pretty tough academic uh, career to, to, to be an engineer. And, and then as you think about, you know, you have a sixth grader who knows more about the Bible than you do. Well, the only way you, he learned that was be put in an environment where he was asked a tough question. 
And then he'd ask a tough question. I guess I better open this book a little bit more to, to, to learn more about the Bible. And, and that's how we, we grow either in our witness or in teaching. Um, you know, there are going to be people who will ask me questions that I, I don't know the answer. And I say, that's a great question. I'll have to think about that. Or I'll have to look, about, look, look that passage up. Or I'll have to talk to someone who knows more about that than I do. And it, it, it's never wrong to say, I don't know. Or I, I've got to work on that. That's something I'm, I'm, I need to learn. And that's true whether it's something that's inadequate about what you know about the Bible or an area in your life. Maybe if you have a short temper and once you, the temper kind of explodes, you, you don't try to hide it or, or sweep it on the rug and say, you know, you're right, I, I, been, I shouldn't have reacted that way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be you know, much better the next time I do it. And you just open about your shortcomings and then ask God to say, hey, help me when I'm in that experience again to, re, to respond and react differently. And part of that's pre-planning, okay? When I'm getting that game again and, and Brandon, you know, is pushing and shoving and, you know, when we're playing basketball, I'm going to be nice and kind and gentle with him. I won't hack at him. Well, I will a little bit, but anyway, because he's so much better than I am. But, I mean, you, you, try, to, you try to think, what, what, when will I fail again? What, what, what are usually my downfalls, and how can I think about that before it happens so I'll respond in a planned way by the power of the Spirit rather than just my natural tendency? Um, how, uh, I'd asked this earlier in the first service, but when you see uh, people that are, you know, filled with the Spirit, trying to live the Spirit-filled life, never perfectly, but, you know, living the life, and you mentioned earlier how much, you know, a positive witness of other Christians make an impact on you, what is it that excites you when you see a Christian living the Christian life? What, 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 what about them just attracts you to them, or you say, man, that's really God working in their life? What, what are some of the things that say, man, that's, God's really working in their life? Um, some of the things that attract me are literally when I see people doing things against the flesh. Anything that tempts us to, I mean, it could be as something as simple as, uh, I don't want to read, I'm going to watch TV, you know, or I don't want to talk to that person about Christ, you know, because I'm preoccupied with X, you know, whatever the case is. Um, when I see people go out of their way for God, that excites me because they didn't have to do that. That was a selfless act. That was a, a Holy Spirit-inspired, uh, living-in-the-spirit moment. Um, either at that moment they listened to God's Spirit, or they had wrestled with themselves in the Spirit um, earlier, and then so they acted upon it. And so I am totally floored when I um, hear stories of, like, my youth, you know, in the youth program, when they're, when they're reading every night, you know, or when they're doing some online resource that I've, I've, done, I've built for them, and I'm like, no one ever does this, and then a kid walks in that Wednesday with a paper filled out, you know, I'm like, man, they could have been doing anything, so um, when more people come through the doors than not, because they're committed to Christ, and those are awesome things, when people are hurting or going through some type of pain, and yet they still smile, and they still are joyful, I'm like, man, that's awesome, um, so those are the things that kind of motivate me. Yeah, we, we so often um, forget that the little things that we do that are really motivated by God really is something that people see. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is, you know, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You, you take any of those, and we don't have time, but Brandon was sharing, that's not an exhaustive list, which I thought was such a... Uh, simple but profound observation. It's all the attributes you can see in Jesus. But when you see someone being faithful when everybody else is quitting, hey, you see that 
That's God work in their life. When you see someone being kind, when other, everybody else around them is being unkind. When, when you see people being, being patient when it's just such, such a frustrating thing they're going through. When you, you see people uh, experiencing joy when everything, uh, everything in terms of what they've been going through is just heartache and pain. Uh, you're thinking, that's got to be God because that does not happen naturally. And we actually use some of you in the first service as examples of that, as we, we've seen you go through suffering or seen you go through difficult times and how, how God has used you as a model for others to say, look at what they're going through compared to what we are going through is nothing by way of comparison. And so as we think again, the best days after, the best day ever was the foundation of our faith. That's that solid rock, Jesus rising from the dead, proving that all that he said about himself and what he would do was true, uh, that he, he died sufficient for all of our sins to be forgiven, and he rose again in victory, that, that death no longer has its sting, that we have a life that will spend eternity in the presence of God in heaven, away from that place in which the presence of God will be no more, which is hell. But it's also that he's left us here to to let him reign and rule in our lives and help be a part of God rescuing others by what we say and how we live uh, individually and corporately. Uh, you know, we don't have much time, but why, why is that so important for us to be about that as, as much as we can and all the time? Why is that so important? Um, well, if you read Acts, you know, it, it basically starts off with Jesus um, giving them promises obviously, and, and proving himself, and then he just disappears. Um, and so you have disciples looking at, you know, heaven, like watching him leave, and they're just staring there. And then angels are saying, hey, relax. The same way he left is the same way he's coming back. And so, um, I mean, you heard the same thing in Matthew. Is no one knows the hour or the day, not even the angels, um, when Jesus comes back. And so when you think about it like that, you're thinking, well, I better be ready. Like, he can come at any moment. He can come tomorrow. He can come tonight. And I want to be able to um, live a life that honors him. And he looks at me and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You lived out my kingdom's work here. So I think it's one of those things. I want to be excited. Um, I want to live a, a life that demonstrates that. Yeah, they, they were so excited about Jesus returning. They recognized their life you know, could be so fleeting in any moment, but time is short. And as Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And he wanted to do whatever he could to be part of God's program here, but to recognize that, that he could come again and that our time here could end for any reason. And so we want to be about God's business. Uh, we just, uh, as we thought about, about the, the Sunday in between uh, the new series that we started in the book of Ruth, that we just want to look at the not only the best day ever on Easter, but the best days after, that God has left us something to do. What a privilege to be a part of God's program. That's what we are to be, to be a part of God's kingdom work. Secondly, that we have the resources. How can we do it? By the power of the Spirit and all the, the fellowship of God's people. And the why is Jesus coming again. And so we, we want to be urgent about what God has for us. I was sharing in the first service, I was reading this past week, uh, literally this week, uh, a story about uh, 2000, um, September 11, 2001, in which uh, one of the planes that flew into, not the World Towers, but the Pentagon area in Virginia, um, and devastated um, so much property, but took lives as well. 59 of the people in innocence on the plane, and 125 of those were on the ground. Uh, but there's a man named uh, Victor Kar 
Korea or Cora. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce his name. I was just reading about it. Uh, but he was a lieutenant, a lieutenant colonel, and he was at the Pentagon when the plane hit, the American Airlines Flight 77. And he was thrown to the floor, uh, almost knocked unconscious, but was able to, to get up. And, and there was smoke and fire everywhere. And he, he began to, to leave the place on his own um, to get out for freedom. And then he recognized that there were people trapped, particularly trapped, not physically, but they could not see. They didn't know which way to go. And having a rather loud voice and, and, and pretty strong, he, he began to call out. And he said, follow my voice, follow my voice. And all of a sudden, people caught in despair, uh, caught in darkness, began to get up. And, and they just listened to where the voice was coming from, and they headed toward him. And, and when, they re when they went that direction, almost immediately, they were able to get out into the outside uh, uh, territory. And, and then he would, he would take that group, and then he'd go back, and, and he got dozens and dozens out by simply going and yelling out, follow my voice, follow my voice, follow my voice. Uh, later, they got a group of them together who had been able to get out of that building that was on fire and filled with um, uh, danger. And, and he got up to speak, and some people had never seen him. And all they said is, we heard your voice, and we followed it. And see, isn't that so much like Jesus? I mean, we're not going to be able to see him, but we can hear his voice. And God has, has given us his word so that when we hear about him, when we, when we hear his voice, we, we go in the direction he wants us to go. And, and, and when that happens, as, as Jesus said, if you know the truth, if you abide in my word, you'll be set free. And so as we think about the best, day, the best days that we have, whatever days we have left here, can be the best days ever, after the best day, if we're about His kingdom, we're filled with His Spirit, and we have a sense of urgency and enthusiasm to do what He's called us to do. Let's pray together. Father, we just, we just pray that these moments we've looked at, just what happened after, are challenging, encouraging, and motivating for us to be about what you have us to do and to be, to be your representatives of your rule and reign and rescuing act in our lives. Help us to be part of what you're all about, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing our closing hymn with uh, Allegra this morning, if you'd like to find out more about how Jesus can make a difference in your life, we invite you, just even as Jim was talking, you can come forward and we'll talk to you more about what it means to know Jesus.